Hello, welcome to Conversations in Calvinism. I'm Dan Chapa, and I'm joined by my good friend Turton Fan. How's it going, Turton Fan? It's going well. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing doing just peachy. Uh, getting ready for this debate. To be honest, I uh, wanted to do probably more in terms of preparation, but I think I always want to do more on preparation. So it's coming up. Uh, in fact, we were just chat chatting about that. That it's uh, the debate with Charles Jennings is coming up on Saturday night on Donnie's uh, program. So um, I'm probably, this will be the last substantive um, discussion because I've got to get into like the timing of the speeches, like making sure that I don't, you know, have a 25 minute speech in a 15 minute slot, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, that, that can be fun to do because you feel like you're kind of putting all the arguments out there, but then for the listener, they're gonna have to go back and listen at 0.75 or something. I am a better researcher than editor. <laughs> There's that old saying. It's like, well, if you want me to speak for two hours, I can do it now. But if you want me to speak for ten minutes, you're gonna to have to give me a three weeks to, to shorten it up. So. Yeah, that's a that's me. Okay, so um, and you have a debate coming up also uh, real soon. In five days. Uh, almost to the hour, I think. And in five days, I should I will be having a debate on limited atonement with Pastor Anthony Aquino or Aquino. I haven't gotten clarification on the pronunciation, and I I should have paid more attention when I listened to his debate. So maybe I'll go back and listen to his debate that he did on a different topic. Uh, also, if anyone happens to know his views, I'd be interested to get more information so I know approximately what his objections are. Otherwise, I just assume it's just the kind of standard objections that people raise. And, uh, you know, I'll go from there. But if anyone has insight, I'd be happy to learn. I mean, it doesn't have to be like secret information, but if he has some sermon somewhere that talked about it, or I just didn't find anything uh, directly on the topic. So anyhow, uh, and you'll notice I, you're listed as Baptist Arminian. I'm listed as Reem is Orox, not Unicorn, nor Rhinoceros in honor of my forthcoming debate with Nick Sayers, which will be after the limited atonement debate. So. Very good, very good. And I've seen recently, you've had some posts on uh, Facebook on the topic of evolution, which I've appreciated. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I just happened to notice it. And once you notice one thing on Facebook, they start feeding it to you constantly. So I have a feeling in the next, I'm going to be bombarded with it now that I've like I've commented or linked to two articles talking about the subject. But one of them was a kind of what I thought was rather bizarre claim that whales are descended from small deer-like critters. And you know, remarkably, there was somebody in the comments saying, "Oh no, don't you? This, it, why not? If you, it's, you know, evolving for 50 million years, why wouldn't it?" Because it's like, well. I mean, anyway, so not to get too much down a rabbit trail on that point. And then another one was some revision of the theories based on finding new fossils that don't fit with the existing theories, which is no big surprise. But anyway, <laughs> and Patrick, welcome, says hello to you, to you his super Calvinist friend. Yeah, super Calvinist is just one level below hyper Calvinist. <laughs> hyper, yeah, that's if you have too much coffee, though, or some cola. <laughs> yeah. uh, and hi to Jamie as well. Uh, so today, though, as the title of the show indicates, we are going to tackle 
another passage of Hebrews, which is quickly becoming, we've had enough episodes on Hebrews, especially connected with warnings, that we could probably even create a playlist of those videos or, or maybe re-edit them and put them into a playlist form or something. I don't know, but it's, uh, anyways, we have, we have a lot of them, but th we haven't done one specifically just on our thoughts on Hebrews 3. Right? We may have responded to somebody else talking about Hebrews 3, but not right. just you and me. So what do you say we jump into it? Let's do exactly that. All right, here, let me, uh, let me share my screen. Hang on. Oh, okay. I think this should come right up. Yeah, okay. That's that's it. All right, cool. Um, so I'm in the um, NASB. So to be honest, I'm just using the NASB because Blue Letter Bible does a uh, parallel with NASB. So that's really the only reason. I think it uses the 95 um, when it does the interlinear. So it makes it real convenient. Okay, anyways, um, so I'm going to read the first uh, five verses. It's the inbound context. Obviously, it's good to get the inbound context. Um, and then, but the warnings usually are, are thought to start at verse six and then go to basically six to 14 is, or really six to the end of the chapter. But um, but anyways, I'll, I'll just go ahead with uh, one through five. But we don't have to drill too far down in there but okay therefore holy brethren partakers of the heavenly calling consider jesus the apostle and high priest of your confession actually maybe i should make this bigger is that better yeah that's better um he was faithful hang on let me just adjust okay he was faithful to him who appointed him as moses also was in all his house for he has been counted worthy of more glory than moses by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. Okay, so um, I think the you know a couple key things that, that jump out Obviously, it's the superiority of Christ to everything else. That's the main one of the main uh, themes throughout the book of um, Hebrews. But here we're specifically dealing with the, the superiority of Christ to Moses. And what's interesting is also in, in verse 1, it is addressed to holy brethren. So I remember, actually, you asked me a question of, okay, well, what does it mean? Uh, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. This is interesting because he addresses them as holy brethren, so he considers them holy. But I think it is fair to say that minimally it's addressed to some true believers. Now, I have no problem with people to say, oh, it's a mixed company because it's going to a church and that sort of thing. That's fine. But it's not. It's certainly not isolated to, I guess, pretenders within a church or you know false converts within a church it's it's addressed to true believers they may be in a mixed company with unbelievers but it's 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 not isolated to unbelievers uh, because they're addressed to holy brethren so uh and then partakers of the heavenly calling partakers is going to be potentially it's a topic point in the debate um what exactly does it mean sometimes um i guess uh, people take that as um a kind of helpers or that sort of thing other others take it as more of a full-on participant or involved in or um, that sort of thing so that might come up in some places maybe in verse 14 we'll dig into that a little bit more 
Um, but I guess, you know, there's there's much more that could be said here, but, I, I, you know, I'm going, I think those are going to be the salient points. Um, but I don't know. If you want to, um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on these, uh, the inbound context here. I mean, I don't, I guess I don't have a lot to add on that point, uh, on those points so far. I, I have, I don't know if it's of interest to you, but I do have a, a display option that would give us the, if we're just going verse by verse, that would give us the English, like an, a modern English and a King James, and then a, the TR and a more modern Greek text, if that's uh, something that would be useful. I don't know. Sure. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, also, I don't know if I can make it. Oh, I might be able to zoom it a little bit more, but I don't know. But let, I'll just let's put it on the screen and tell me if you like it or not. Uh, is that okay. too small? Or let me just see if I can make it. I can make it like that much bigger, I think. Um, it might be too hard to read. I, also, I'm not sure. Okay, yeah. this this is fine. No, yeah. I can I, I can I, I can see it just fine. I I had to. So, ha, oh sorry. Patrick, uh, Patrick has a comment. Uh, Calvinist put the so right. So this is a um, so, um, right. The other uh, Hebrews joke is uh, what is it like? Um, the Bible commands men to make the coffee hmm. because Hebrews. Okay. Da, da, da. All right. <laughs> Let's uh well if you want if you uh if you want you can scroll down to verse five, uh verse six and then we can just keep trucking from there. Okay. Okay. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Okay. That's an interesting translation. So I think there actually is a variant. Let's see, because there's a firm to the end in the TR. Um, uh, yeah, so that firm isn't in the Tindemas. And maybe the Telios too, right? The end? Yeah, agreed. Yeah. So, okay, so there's, there's an interesting variant there. Um, so I don't know if... if uh, Charles is a more um, a TR KJV type. Maybe he is. Maybe he's not. I don't know. I don't think much ways uh, rests on that question. I mean, so the main thing about this verse that's going to be a point of contention is the conditional of um, holding fast our confidence and rejoice and the rejoicing of our hope um, to the end, or basically perseverance that we need to persevere to be a son um no to be in christ's house we have to hold fast our confidence and in the king james version to hold it fast to the end to the end of what i don't know it could be to the end of our lives it could be to the end of the you know to the end of the age until um, christ return that sort of thing um but either way there's a condition of put on being a part of Christ's house. Now, I think the point of contention, I, I suspect Charles would agree that there is a condition to something, but he would probably construe being a part of Christ's house as um, 
not salvation, whereas I would take being a part of Christ's house as salvation itself. That's my guess as to where we're going to wrangle. Um, but, you know, and we can go on because the, the, the passage is going to elaborate further on this point. But I think that's going to be the point of contention is, you know, he might take it as like some type of um, special role and privilege given to those that have good works and are faithful they'll receive some extra role in the millennial kingdom or something like that. That's my guess as to what he's going to say, but we'll see. I have a, it, would it be okay if I throw the, a monkey wrench in the works by posing a question to you, sort of a challenge to you? Please do. So, and if you, if you, if you're not prepared for this, you know, we can just move on. I don't, it's not like I'm trying to hold you, your feet to the fire on this point. Maybe you already thought of it. But my question is this, is, right? The way that it's written in English, at least, and uh, the mousing over is useful for some things, but not for this. But it says that Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. We are his house if we hold fast. So one thing I would note here is it's not, at least in English, it's not completely clear whether that means we are his house for so long as we hold fast or we hold we we're not even his house unless we hold fast in other words is yeah. is that an you know so and also as you know sometimes these the way that greek operates sometimes it's sort of the cause is placed after the effect or yeah rather than before, depending on the situation. So what's, what's, your, what's your comment on that, the relationship between being his house and holding fast? With that Ian or Ian Per, I think it doesn't make much of a difference. All right, sorry, yeah, where is it? Here it is. Yeah, so, okay, so the it's not so much if the, it's the R. So the R is, is indicative, it's present active indicative. Right. So it's something that's uh, okay. People can construe this two ways. Commentators have construed it two different ways. Um, so one, you can just, you know, kind of force it against the grammar to say that being a part of his house is conditional on perseverance, as in you will become part of his house after you've persevered. That is that is a bit strained. Right. The other way to construe it is a, or a, um, a proving out. So we're in his house today, or we're not in his house today. Well, which is it? If we persevere, then we can tell that we are in his house today, that we were always and that we always were. Um, so grammatically, I believe the second option is superior because it just recognizes the fact that it's indicative. But it is... Um, not the, it's not, it, it, I don't think that's going to be a big deal either way. Um, because from Charles's standpoint, he will not want to say either, right? He'll want to say that we have present assurance of salvation today and it's unconditional on anything, right? So, 
he'll want to construe being a part of God's house as something other than salvation. So he won't want to put salvation either now to be proved out through perseverance or at the end of perseverance. He will not accept either of those alternatives. So whether you go with A or B, I think Charles is going to have to come up with a plan C. And uh, I mean, Jamie throws out that one. I think you mentioned something the same about this being like, we know we're his house if, in other words, what's sort of implied is this is how we know that we're his house is if we hold fast. Right. I, but I do, I mean, one thing I wanted to throw out there as well on this point, uh, specifically really as it relates, as it pertains to Charles, is re, as you remember from his previous interactions and, and seeing many of his videos and so forth, he is big on trying to break these discussions up and put them in one of three bins. And being his house sure seems like a positional uh, description. Although, you know, as you said, I, I'm imagining he's going to not not be not be comfortable with that idea because he's he needs to if he's going to have a connection between holding fast, he's not going to want to put it in the positional. But being the house, it's a I mean it's a metaphor of location, right? It's not solely about location, but it's you it's that identity that we're part of God's house. And uh, Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. So Moses was faithful over God's house as a servant, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And uh, I don't know. I, I suppose that the answer will be that this relates to the church as opposed to something else, uh, you know, uh, to the church as opposed to the salvation. But anyway, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I guess there's a limit to how much I can speculate about what Charles will say. Yeah. Well, yeah. We'll see, we'll have to see. Okay. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's keep trucking. So okay. So verse seven. Therefore, the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear His voice, um, do, and I'll, I'll just keep going. Do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for forty years. Um, therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. And I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Okay, let's, uh, let's talk about that quotation. So it's from Psalms 95, but it goes, Psalms 95 is assessing Numbers 14, which is interesting. Um, so the Numbers 14 passage we've talked about. Um, I think the... Um, interesting argument that i think charles is going to make that i've got to be prepared for is that the not it's probably not he numbers 14 is probably not saying that every single israelite was except for the two spies um were lost but they had to wander in the desert and they are basically told that they're going to wander because of their unbelief so it it is interesting that's the parallel now what is the author of hebrews doing with that passage he's isolating to their hardness of hearts and he's isolating to their unbelief um let me uh let me just get a view where i can see okay yeah so um as a 
So do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. So it's don't be like them, right? Uh, when your fathers tried and tested me, they saw my works for 40 years. Um, so it's interesting. Anyways, the, um, that's an interesting phrase, but maybe it's tangential. And just for the sake of time, I'll overlook it. But why why he says my works for 40 years when it's, you know, they're the ones that are wandering. Um, therefore, I was angry with the generation. They always go astray in their hearts. So what's interesting is the the kind of finality of it. There's the hardening of hearts. They always go astray in their hearts. Um, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So there for them, it, the rest, okay, so, so let's talk about the rest real quick. So they were at the brink of entering the promised land, but even after they... Even after the 40 years, they cross into the promised land, but they're not yet resting. They're fighting, right? Joshua has to battle this and that and all things, kinds of things going on. And then afterwards they rest, right? Um, so it's kind of um, when, it, when it talks about uh, entering his rest, it, it is kind of a, the completion of the struggle. And I, th I think that's why I take the rest to be symbolic of what is it, you know, what does that represent for the author of Hebrews is the afterlife. It's, it's heaven, um, not just spiritual maturity, but the end of all our labors. Um, anyways, we, we'll see some more of that later, but uh, um, I would take it that way. So, um this will likely be some battleground, and I'm okay with that. I'm uh, happy to address it, but uh, um, anyways, I'll, I'll leave my comments there for the moment. I, I noticed a minor textual point here. The Tyndale House editors have decided, it seems that they've decided that 40 years I was grieved with this, gen or I was provoked with that generation, or I was aggrieved with that generation. They, they moved the 40 years from the end of nine to the beginning of 10 as though they think it belongs with the next thought. Although they also seem to have separated it here with the period. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure what their what the, the idea there was, but I don't think it makes a difference for your debate, whether the 40 years is they saw my works 40 years or they saw my works 40 years that I was grieved with them. I don't think it makes much difference. Well, to be honest, 40 years that uh, I was agree with them kind of makes more sense. <laughs> Just like, anyway, well, whatever. Yeah, good point. Good point. Good catch. Good eye. Uh, so it's a pretty, like I said, pretty, probably a pretty minor thing. The, the I'm trying to recall, but we did listen to someone talking about this rest. And what they were saying, what the argument they presented is, well, all that, it was just talking about going into Canaan. But my thought on that point is it just misses, it misses the use that the author of Hebrews is putting this argument to. So he he's not bringing up the Hebrew, the situation with the people of Israel as a warning that we're not going to go into a promised land as much as it is, he's pointing us forward to something better. I, I mean, I, I don't know how, it doesn't seem like you can really get around that point. 
I think it's, it's easy to kind of get sucked into, oh, well, what does the rest mean? Well, let's go back to the Old Testament and see what it meant there in Psalms. And he's not saying that all the people of that generation went to hell. He's just saying they didn't go into, the, into Canaan. But anyway, it's a very, very uh, memorialized passage. So, yeah, I want to say there's a um, similar usage in First uh, Corinthians. Maybe it's First Corinthians ten, actually, um, but but probably not the only place that it's used. But anyways, um, we can keep trucking. Um, so let's look at the next three as a group. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Uh, I, I hate to interrupt, and yet I'm going to do it. Go ahead. Chapter 4 is, I mean, if the if he goes down that path of saying, well, the rest there was Canaan, I, wouldn't we just go to four, chapter 4, verse 1, let's therefore fear, lest a promise being left of us entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For, and then verse three, for we which have believed do enter into rest. And you would think that he's going to associate that rest with salvation. Right. Well, he may not. Um, he might stay, say that that's a millennial kingdom to avoid the, the implication that the rest is eternal life. But I think even stronger is the, um, it, it, and if you have like, why, well, let me just go to it. Uh, but it's, it, isn't it, doesn't it talk about God resting? After in creation, he rested the seventh day and hallowed it. Or... Yeah, well, yeah, doesn't it say that. So, um, uh, okay, Hebrews four four, and he said somewhere concerning this. <laughs> I love that. He said somewhere. <laughs> I do that all the time. Okay, he said somewhere concerning the seventh day, God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some of you to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience. He again fixes a certain day, saying today. Anyways, um, the point is, what is the point of God resting on the seventh day? That can't be God entered Canaan. It can't be God entered spiritual maturity. It means that God finished what he was doing. That's it, right? The rest is, so until we're done persevering, right? The, the rest is after the, at the end of perseverance, after the end of our lives. That's when we enter our eternal rest with God. Yeah, so, um I mean, the best way to say it is rest in peace. Like, that's what it means. It's when we die. So, sorry to derail your thoughts there with that tangent, but I just wanted to get it off of my mind while I was still there. So, sorry. Oh, no, that's good. That's good. That's good. Okay. Take care. Okay. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Okay. So, this fall away from the living God, that is. Where we get our word apostasy. Um, in fact, you probably have it there. Yeah. Apostema. My. Apostema. 
apostasy. That's, I mean, that's literally where we get our word apostasy from. Okay. Um, then, okay, so, but the, there's a warning. Again, the author is including, so, the, you know, does there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that, that apostatizes from the living God, right? That's, anyways, that's a very severe on-the-nose warning about apostasy. Now, the question is going to come up, well, what's the penalty for apostatizing? But I think there's a, a clear description of apostasy here. Um, let's go on. And my computer just froze. So you can probably hear me. I am. Yes, I hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you, um, but I'm going to have to shut down and come right back in. I'll All be right. back. Okay. Well, oh, well, that worked. Huh. Oh, everything's oh. good to go? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. I don't know how that worked, but it worked. Okay, cool. Um, 13. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Oh, okay, this is important. We're supposed to exhort each other. Why? To prevent apostasy. Christianity isn't every man for themselves. There's a real value in Christian friendship. Get you, get you a turton fan in your life. <laughs> um, because... You know, we need each other. Anyways, but exhort each other one every day as long as that none of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is sneaky. Now, sin, you know, just disobeying the Ten Commandments isn't the same as the apostasy talked about in verse 12. But there's also preliminaries that happen before someone c commits total and final apostasy. It's this kind of cre creeping thing. Anyways, um, and then verse 14 is the question you asked, but on steroids. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Okay, so the we have come to share, that is not just present active and indicative, it is perfect, um, perfect active indicative, which means it's a completed action in the past right? It is, that thing is done. So whatever sharing in Christ means happened in the past. And then there's a conditional, if we hold our original confidence from the end. Now, again, people can force the grammar and construe it as sharing in Christ is conditional on if we hold our original confidence from the end. Others like me will take it the other way. It, being a sharing in Christ happened in the past, and we will know it if we persevere. Um, okay, so I think this is going to be a key verse, and verse twelve is going to be a key verse. But I suspect what Charles is going to argue is sharing in Christ does not mean union with Christ. What he's going to say is that it is um, basically being a partner with Christ, working alongside Christ in the ministry of the gospel. 
I suspect that's what he's going to say. And probably with it comes special rewards, special rewards in the Millennial Kingdom and all that other stuff. Um, but I, sus I suspect that's going to be his main line of response. But if share in Christ just means salvation, I think free grace is done because either salvation is conditional on perseverance or assurance is conditional on perseverance. Either one sinks free grace completely. So he has to argue that sharing in Christ is not salvation. I'm not, no matter what he, well, yeah, I agree, but also I wonder the, you know, the King James way of putting it in English is a little bit ambiguous, but once you notice that the verb is, as you said, it's perfect indicative. It's not a participle. It's a perfect indicative, which generally refers to something that occurred in the past and has a continuing effect in the present. I suppose he's going to have to argue that this continuing aspect of this perfect thing is what's conditional. And on top of that, that being a partaker in Christ or uh, what is this, met this metacoy, this, uh, that this is, this having a share in Christ or being a partaker in Christ relates to, uh, like you said, some, some role of some service role, but I, I, it still seems somewhat of a stretch. I, the parsing is not always perfect with this highlighting, but the, yeah, it's, it seems a little, it does seem a bit stretched to, for him to go down that path at all. Because if, if he doesn't, I mean, if he takes a verb as a verb, then why, you know, it's not like if we don't hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, then we were net in his view. We were he would not be able to say we were never service, never of service to Christ. He would just say that we were of service for a while and then we stopped being of service or something like that. I would assume. I I don't understand how he could because he can't really. I don't think he can relate this to like assurance that you are of service to Christ. In fact, I just I think the only way to do it is to kind of break up the. Uh, break up that verb into its past action and continuing effect and then say it's only the continuing effect that's in play and then try to go from there. But yeah, but, that's a, but, but think about it. So the continuing effect of what? Of, of a, let's say it's part, let, let's say that it, it's a partnership in the gospel. Let's just say being a preacher, right? <laughs> okay, you can be a preacher. You can be a preacher if you hold your original confidence firm to the end. No, you can continue to be a preacher, right? That, right? Like I, I don't know how. It's not like you. It's not like you have to persevere your whole life to become a preacher. Yeah. Nor do you do you not know whether you're a preacher or not until you've persevered your whole life. I like. Yeah. That, I. I don't. Yeah. I. I think that is. Strained. I'm not sure what the even the idea would be. Um, yeah, 
I'd have to hear it out from from his side. But neither of those things make any sense to me. If if what it meant is special rewards in the millennial kingdom, and he construed it as conditional on perseverance, okay. But partaker or you know melakoi does not mean special rewards at the end of the of of a life of perseverance. It either means sharing Christ, like union with Christ, or it means a helper. Um, yeah, maybe we should look at that real quick. And 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 I know you're I know you're you're, you're pressed for time, but can we look at um? So what is it in, in Hebrews? Can you drill down on it and just pull up all the uses of Melakoi in Hebrews? Uh, I'm not sure if I can do that easily if, through this. If you, not, the first the one that he's going to press on is I think the Hebrews one nine. Uh, if you can go to Hebrews one. Because I think there is a usage that will be in his favor. Now, there's several that are not going to be in his favor, but I think there's one that is in his favor a little bit. And which verse? I think verse 9. Uh, I could be mistaken, but let's check. Hebrews 1 9. Right, companions. I think companions might be Melikoi. Um, okay. Right. Okay, so now, oh, interesting. And this actually gives other, other uses. Uh, 3, 1, 14, 6, and the 12, 8. 12, 8 is like particular. Oh, sorry, I found, I found the solution. I'm new to this site. So this is the, uh, over here we can see the other places it's used and so forth without. Okay. Cool, so. cool, cool. Yeah, I gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so companions. So Companions of Christ, fellow workers with Christ. Okay. Why would it say you need to persevere to the end to be companions with Christ? Unless it unless he wants to say you will be a companion with Christ in the millennium, right? Like, or something like that. Like, it would, honestly, honestly, that he'd have to explain quite clearly what he means. I think the um, companions here is not talking about, um, th this is talking about, like, believers, right? Like, you know, yes, but it's just saying Christ is superior to the church, which, of course, you know, of course he is. Um, so anyways, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I, I really think he's I just don't see how he's going to. I'm curious as to what he's going to say. And now the usage that's way against him is the 12 eight, right, because that's not meaning companions or partners at all. Uh, if you could, if you could go to Hebrews twelve, sure. You said eight. Twelve eight, yeah. Okay, so so now we're talking about being partakers in discipline, and what it means is they've been disciplined but they've been 
Well, they're not partners in discipline. They, they're receiving discipline. So it's really someone that shares in discipline, that participates in discipline, that is, um, yeah, I mean, that's, it's just a, yeah, so it's def, it's definitely not a companion. They're not the companion of discipline. They, they're getting disciplined. Um, and what I've seen is that uh, some people will say, well, when it's used with the genitive, then it's sharing in. But it's in the genitive in Hebrews 3. So because it's uh, partakers of Christ. So, it, yeah, so that, I mean, the, I'm sure the of Christ is genitive in, in Hebrews um, 3.14. We should come back there anyway. So in Hebrews 3.14, in Christ. Is that genitive? Yep, you're correct. Yeah, right. So anyways, I don't know. I, I see all kinds of, I I, th I just think it's just a strain. Now, okay, well, anyways, I, I think I've said enough. I, I can, we probably, I, I could leave it at that. So I'm, I'm very interested in hearing your thoughts, but um, uh, yeah, so I've said my piece. Yeah, I think there, it doesn't it say with Christ, but more the, as you said, genitive, more that we would typically translate as of Christ or in this, uh, or as in the ESV in Christ. It, it's not that we are part, Christ's partners in something, but I don't know. I, I guess the other solution would be to look and see the other places and kind of exhaustively review the other usage, but which might go beyond the point of what we're trying to do here. But it would sort of be on him to establish that idea. And more than just saying that sometimes the word can refer to partnership or that the word sometimes can have the sense of just being an associate or uh, something like that. The thing, we, we're, what we're partaking in, what we're sharing in is Christ. So what does it mean to have a share in Christ? And I guess that's, I don't know. I, I guess he would need to establish that it's something other than salvation. Salvation is the most obvious sense that that would have, given the, the kinds of, the alternative of don't be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. But, you know, it's, Sometimes what I think is obvious isn't obvious to everyone, so I don't, I don't know. Uh, I had a quick point I wanted to raise. I saw that Charlie, who sometimes chimes in here to tell us that he thinks that un that unbelief means unfaithfulness. That idea might, you know, have some kind of passing credibility in the places where the ver word is belief, but confidence. Does, isn't susceptible to that same understanding. So uh, confidence or trust is the meaning of this word. Uh, pledged profession, ensured oppression, mental realizing. So the idea that it's just obedience isn't, the, uh, isn't correct. Now, does it imply that we're gonna be obedient? It does, but uh, that's not, 
that's not the point. The point is that this does have in mind a mental activity. So uh, continue on or you more on this verse? Um, or section? Yeah, I guess. Um, no, I guess that's that's probably uh, actually, uh, you know, let's just read the last bit because I think it's going to verse 19 is going to say the same thing you just said up to Charlie, I guess. OK, so. Um, OK, so this is um, one of those. This is a very it's the book of Hebrews, so it's using the Hebrew method of, you know, asking these types of questions uh, for who are those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all who left? Uh, left Egypt led by Moses and who was provoked for 40 years was it not the uh, was it not with those who sinned uh, whose bodies fell in the wilderness and to whom did he swear they would not enter his rest but to those who were disobedient so that we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief that's the key thing. And then uh, I think uh, chapter four is, is also going to start talking about they heard the gospel, but it wasn't mixed by faith. Right. So um, yeah, I'll just I'll just read this from the New King James. Therefore, since the promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear uh, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it for we who have believed do enter that rest, as he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter his rest. So we have unbelief, unbelief, belief, and faith, and confidence, and confidence again as a description of this. So no, this isn't just a matter of obedience. I'm sorry. That is... It's interesting how the highlighting ends up working here. This isn't, for we which have believed is an aorist. Uh, as opposed to being perfect, as opposed to being uh, imperfect or anything else, it is an aorist here. So uh, it it's not their fact it's not our faithfulness that's the that's connected with us entering to arrest but our our belief our faith uh, i i do think this although the works were finished from the foundation of the world is interesting but it's a it's sort of an aside the way that the author of hebrews puts it Anyway, so uh, it's interesting that uh, Joshua is referred to as Jesus by the King James Version here. It's, it's a you know it's the same name, but it is interesting that the ESV uses Joshua and the King James uses Jesus here. Obviously, the underlying Greek word is the same, but uh, but it's just kind of an interesting observation. Sure. But it says there's a Sabbath rest that remains to the people of God. And for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. So 
this ties back into your point from before about what did God do on the seventh day? He rested from all his works. Now, you know, that that doesn't seem to fit well with the struggles of this life for. Yeah. Okay. So let's say he says that the Malakoi are, are you, you, you are not a, are, um, a, I guess, share, co-worker with God in the gospel or whatever until you reach the millennium. Well, what happens then? Is that a work? Like, will people be doing work in the millennium? <laughs> right? Uh, you know, I guess it wouldn't. Yeah, I don't think it, I don't think that fits together anyways. I wonder if that's where he's going to get the with is from the meta in meta, uh, Metacos. So there's the Metacos is a like a combination, I guess. Of, is it a combination of meta and something else? I don't know. I, it kind of, I mean, that's how it's presented in Strong's. Well, if you dig back a few layers of that, it's like a, a uh, from meta and echo is the, that's the pr proposed etymology. It's obviously speculative, but that means, you know, it, with that speculative etymology, it's to have with. But there's not a, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit frustrated by some of the arguments that the least, the arguments that I see where they're coming from are the, let me, let me switch to a different screen, one that I'm more familiar with, with this uh, interface. So all of the uses of uh, Metacos, there, they beckoned to their partners, which were in the other ship. So that's a use that presumably would be favorable towards him. But this is just the part, you know, this is just their associates, their partners. And if that's what he's saying, then how do you have the, is he saying that we are partners of God? It's not, and then the same thing, which you already mentioned with the fellows, again, the same concept. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I don't doubt that the word can mean that. I just don't think it means that in, in the context of Hebrews 4, Hebrews 3.14. It definitely doesn't mean that in the context of Hebrews 12, 8. And I don't think it means it in the context of Hebrews 6, 4 either, where it's uh, um, partakers of the Holy Ghost. But uh, but I don't doubt that in other contexts it can mean partner. You know, I, I, almost every lexicon I've looked at says that, and for good reason. I guess the question comes back to then, what does, if that's what he means, what does he mean by, yeah. by partner? In what way? In what way does us being sorry? In what way does us being part? If this is partner instead, if yeah. we are made partners, if and remember this is the perfect. So we have we're made partners. If we hold fast, I suppose he's going to have to say we're made partners as long as we hold fast for as long as we hold fast. Yeah, or something like that. Which isn't. Yeah, which which strains. I mean, it strains the grammar. I mean, it, it's it's fine. You could say that, but it that does that does strain the that that basically then why is it in the perfect tense? But okay. Yeah, why not say we are partners? 
if we hold fast, why we were, why we have been made. It just, it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, did you, I know obviously we've gone through the entirety of chapter three. Do you have other things you want to discuss in this episode or no. other comments or anything like that? Okay. Yeah. So we could touch on some comments. Um, <laughs> Can I uh, share one thing real quick that I don't necessarily want to respond to the substance of it, but it just amused me. So I wanted to share it. Is it okay? Sure. Go ahead. <laughs> you Calvin freaks, Luthologers. So I find, uh, I don't know if anyone, I'll, I'll start it so you can read it more carefully offline if you want to. But uh, <laughs> the idea that uh, that Dan is a Calvin freak or a Luthologer is just, it makes me chuckle. I would love for him to be a Calvin freak, but he's, he's not that. So. Uh, yeah, that it just, unfortunately, it kind of shows, you know, people come to it with some presupposition, I guess, because we use the conversations in Calvinism logo and some people don't realize that that's because even though it says in your name, like if people look more carefully underneath your name, it says Baptist Arminian, which is neither a Luthologer nor a Calvin freak. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, other comments. Uh, so I, um, I'll just add this one. So thanks for the heads up, Jamie. So, one of Charles's favorite professors wrote a paper or a book. Um, yeah, no doubt. Uh, I suspect, yeah, um, I suspect it'll be the um, Dillo show, but we'll see. Okay. Um, the Dillo show. Yeah. That, do we, now, I think it's probably not productive at this point to try to open up and just spring a Dillo study on everyone, especially on me, since I'd like to kind of carefully read it. He, his opinions are not quite the same from the cursory review I've done so far. His, his are not always the same as the other ones we listened to. So it's important to see the differences and, and track those down. So, okay. Um, anyway. All right. Um, so there's a, wow. Um, <laughs> we are sick of Dan shoving Calvinism down our throats. How dare you, Dan? <laughs> uh, I, I think uh, I think Deserner uh, wins. Uh, <laughs> I think Deserner wins the comments for tonight. Um, <laughs> holy cow! But that, that's one of those. Um, yeah. So you know, Calvin does the same thing sometimes. I don't know why at that time they didn't think it was inappropriate or maybe they didn't care whether they were appropriate or not but some of the insults from both luther and calvin are incredibly hilarious i mean just yes and just so offensive all at the same time but oh well, i will leave that be um to be honest i i wish i could have been uh, tracking the comments a little closer but it seems like mostly um, folks were talking amongst themselves, so I. Oops, sorry. I meant to just un uh, highlight that one. That's good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I am appreciative of the folks who chimed in. I noticed that a lot of the folks who chime in when it's King James related topics didn't chime in today. I don't know if they're watching or not, but uh, I do appreciate Jamie Patrick. Uh, designer, the Chapa is back. -a. 
or Armenian Agassi because of the uh, hairstyle, I think. Or maybe your your backhand is uh, on fleek. I'm not sure. You know, when back when I had hair, they wouldn't call me. Uh, they would say that I looked like Pete Sampras, but I don't know. I never I never saw it, but that's what some people said. Not Agassi, but I don't know. Maybe without hair, I look more like Agassi. I I don't know. Maybe they, maybe there's something else. Uh, not sure. Yeah. Uh, or maybe I'm thinking of the wrong Agassi. It could be. It's one of those things that that family name is, at least in my mind, very much associated with Andre Agassi. <laughs> I don't know. There's probably some other famous ones as well. Uh, but also thanks to Charlie for chiming in. Uh, obviously, it's a little bit passionate about his view. He wants us to read Matthew Bates' Salvation by Allegiance Alone. I don't know who Professor Matthew Bates is. Uh, so I guess I'll check that out and see. Well, you know where uh, where our friend is coming from. I assumed he was either Roman Catholic or Eastern Orthodox, based on the kind of associating everybody who disagrees with Luther or Calvin. But I I just I don't know if you if you're interested, Charlie, to share that with us so we know where you're coming from. That's fine. If not, it's also okay. Uh, and truth defenders, I. I missed his greeting. Uh, peace be with you, Truth Defenders. And let's see. And Patrick, of course. I th think I didn't mention him on the first pass, but thank you, Patrick, as well. Uh, so remember, folks, listen to Dan's debate on Saturday over at Standing for Truth, Donnie's channel. He does an excellent job moderating. Uh, Charles is very measured in his responses, very thoughtful and courteous. It should be a well thought out debate from both sides. And also it should be one that's respectful and uh, without compromise. So uh, Patrick's already predicting your victory. So you need to now, you have, a, you have to live up to that. So I do. expect you to, to defend biblical truth on this point, so. Yeah, uh, yeah. Pray for me as I edit. <laughs> I don't want to cut anything out, and I'm just going to talk for like three hours straight. Um. <laughs> okay, I better wrap it up there. <laughs> Thank okay. you, everybody. It's uh, it's been good. Uh, it's been good being being live. I feel like I need to be live more. There, there's been a lot going on, but uh, I appreciate these times that we get to spend together. They are, uh, like I said. Um, we are supposed to exhort each other, and it is part of avoiding apostasy, that you are the means that God uses to prevent apostasy both in yourself and in others. So, um, yeah, uh, just uh, keep trucking, and um, God be with you all. And also with you. And also thanks to Charlie for clarifying that I was wrong. He's not uh, Roman Catholic, so uh, just that was my bad. No. Oh, um, and <laughs> uh, uh, well, I, I will <laughs> just at the very end. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll see you um, Saturday evening. Greatly looking forward to it, uh, Charles. Um, God be with you. <laughs>